The Daily Tap is live for Tuesday. We're going to talk about if the Packers are frauds or for real. We'll get into their 4-1 record, how people are feeling about them in the landscape locally, nationally. We'll talk about that. We're going to talk about the Brewers on the brink. Can they find any sort of offense and take this thing back to Milwaukee? Lastly, we will talk about the Green Bay Packers and why they're the perfect fit for Germany. And maybe a little bit on that John Cusack, White Sox Dave thing, because I think it's hilarious. I want to talk about that a little bit. I think Wisconsin has their own version of it. Um, it's a little different, but it, it is the same if you think about it. So we'll, we'll get into all that today, but let's start with the Green Bay Packers. And some people are like, Charlie... Why didn't you start with the Milwaukee Brewers? We're on the brink today. This is elimination day, yada, yada. Well, here's the thing, a little behind the scenes. We want to have something that if someone can't listen today, whether they're working, whether they have no time, whether they need to focus, and then tomorrow they want to put on the podcast, I don't think they want to hear Brewers right away if the Brewers have already been eliminated. They'd rather just have that on the back end and that's why we do it. So just so, so you're clear. So we're all on the same page. I'm not doing this because I'm ignoring the Brewers or anything like that. But let's start with the Packers. Let's get into that. So Green Bay is 4-1. I think some people are feeling good. Some people aren't feeling so good. Some people have said, uh, Jen Lada, notably of ESPN Milwaukee, that the 4-1 record for Green Bay is fool's gold. Now Jason Wilde, her teammate, asked if, that was accurate. If you guys believe that, if Packer Nation believe that, Wilde has a pretty good handle of the pulse. And the poll question, 80% of people thought that was a bad take or a wrong take, which is really interesting, right? Like it's not necessarily even close. So a lot of Packer fans do believe that this team is for real. So let's look at both sides of this and make a determination because I am, I will say up front, I am more on the team for real, but how could you say, well, maybe this team is a fraud? So I think for the for real part of this is Green Bay is four and one. David Bakhtiari has not played a single game. Zadarius Smith played sparringly in game number one. They've also won a game now with Jair Alexander. And oh, on top of that, they've now won three games without Elton Jenkins. So those are four of your blue chip players. The other two are probably Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers. And they've had them for all five. They've won games without some of their best players. They're three, four and one without Bakhtiari. I mean, it's really special what Green Bay has done so far this year with the amount of injuries that they've had. If anything, Green Bay is kind of the sleeper. It was interesting to hear Bill Simmons talk about who is the sleeper team of the NFL right now, and I actually think it's the Green Bay Packers. And I know you're like, Charlie, you're a fucking homer, yada, yada. You're no better than him. But seriously, like I look at it and I say, okay, Green Bay might not look like they're at their full potential, mostly because they're banged up. Like Other guys, too, are hurt. MVS is hurt. Uh, Dominique Daphne's down with an injury. Like Those are two guys where they're not as important as Devontae Adams on the offense, but they play a smaller role on the team, and that's good. They lost Josh Myers to an injury, and hopefully he'll be back this week. So that was another guy that went down. Green Bay has had a ton of injuries so far, and they're still 4-1. 
And are they the worst of the four and one teams? Maybe, and we'll get to that in a second here of who all else is four and one and five and zero, and how does Green Bay stack up currently against those teams? Because I think right now the Green Bay Packers are just sort of lurking. They have two really. I wouldn't say easy. That's not the word I want to use because a division rival on the road is tough. The Bears, if they win, they're shockingly tied for first place of all things. So the Bears know the opportunity is in front of them. The matter, the fact, the the question will be is can they can they get it done? Can they get it done with their young quarterback? Will this be the start of a new Packer Bear rivalry, uh, which has not really been a rivalry in years, um, as it's been a one-sided domination from Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers, really since the latter stages of Lovey Smith, right? The Lovey Smith had, you know, a few good teams here and there, but it the it changed after the Packers won that NFC championship game and it's really not been the same ever since. And that was fuck ten years ago. Um, so it's crazy that it's been that way, but Green Bay has sort of flexed their muscles against Chicago. And then they have Washington, who I I think Washington's one of the worst teams in football. And it's not necessarily because of their quarterback, Taylor Heineke. I just think their defense is t- I don't think their defense can stop anybody. And so that's why I would put Washington as one of the worst teams in football. So Green Bay has those two games uh, before they face Arizona and Kansas City, which will be tough, even though Kansas City can't stop a cold either. But I do think that Green Bay has a chance here to end up being 6-1. and one. And I don't know if the same can be said about all the other teams that are in that 4-1, and 5-1 category. So Green Bay could come out smelling like a rose. And then if they beat Arizona, which will be a massive Thursday night game, one of the biggest Thursday night games that I can remember, if, if things hold, if things stay the same, then all of a sudden it's like, oh, we need to take Green Bay seriously. Like I can just see how this is going to happen, right? I can see how this will will transpire. And even if Chicago pulls off the upset or the Packers look ahead and lose to Washington, which they've done on a Thursday night, remember, that happened against Minnesota um, last year when they were going to San Francisco. They looked right over Minnesota, lost that football game in Green Bay, And that was a very bad loss for for the Packers. Even if Green Bay has two losses heading into the Arizona game and they beat Arizona on the road, that's still going to be a warning shot to the league. That is still going to be the Packers are kind of, quote unquote, here to stay, if you will, and that they are kind of ready to roll. So I will not be surprised if Green Bay kind of has more of the for real stuff come in November as they get healthier, as they look sort of more efficient on both sides of the football. Now, you might not have Zadarius Smith all year, and you also, who knows about Jair Alexander? He's on the short-term IR. He's down for three games. You'll get Rasul Douglas next week, likely into the fold. Same with Jalen Smith, actually. So maybe that helps your defense even more, which I don't think the defense right now is is a problem. I, I think the defense has actually been playing pretty well. If you listen to yesterday's show, I was pretty high on them. But getting extra guys that are talented is only going to help Green Bay. It's not going to hurt them in any shape of the word. So getting a little more experience in the defensive sec- defensive backfield as well as at the linebacker position is a good thing for Green Bay. 
And that'll be something we'll see next week. So it adds even more fuel to the, they are for real. They just haven't hit their peak yet. And and the, the reason why is because of injuries, maybe a little bit of Aaron Rodgers, lack of preseason, um, lack of offseason. Uh, and Matt LaFleur, I think, still needs to adjust a little bit. I think, I'm not saying Matt LaFleur has been figured out. That's not what I'm saying at all. But I am. what I am saying is that I think some of the concepts people are waiting on. And so Matt LaFleur just has to tweak his system slightly. And I think once he does that, the Packers will be off and running. So I am in, obviously, in team for real. That, I will say, as I'm talking about it, did not really do much to change my mind, but let's go into the fool's gold part of this, or frauds. So if you want to say that Green Bay Packers are fraudulent or that Green Bay Packers are fool's gold, their record is fool's gold, what are the things that you would point out? Well, the Green Bay Packers could easily have three losses right now and be two and three. If Mason Crosby doesn't make that field goal, it's two and three against not only San Francisco, but also Cincinnati. And they're two and three. You could even say, well, if Pittsburgh doesn't get that black field goal called back, the Packers could be one and four. I don't dis- I don't agree with that at all, by the way. I, I think that Pitt- they still would have beat Pittsburgh even if the field goal got blocked. They were a supremely better team than the Steelers were uh, with Big Ben uh, leading the charge there for Pittsburgh. So I personally do not see what Lada is saying. Like, I, I, I kind of get that there, there are moments where it's like maybe they're fraudulent. But at the end of the day, like, we got to take some of the stats and some of the things with a grain of salt. Like, they're 23rd in DVOA right now defensively. Now, DVOA comes out today. I'll be interested to see if the Packers make a significant move up. But the Saints game is going to fuck with so many people. Because they aren't a 23rd worst defense. Like, that defense is much better than 23rd in DVOA, okay? Like, if you've been watching this defense for the last three weeks, it's been impressive, right? Like, San Francisco, the first half was great. Second half, I really think the penalties started fucking with their heads a little bit. Pittsburgh, besides the first drive, they were stellar. Cincinnati... Only a few, like, mini plays were the issues, and they couldn't guard Jamar Chase. Okay, right? That, to me, is not a 23rd defense. And then you look at point differential. Right now, the Bills are at, like, 108 because they've shut out two teams. They have a crazy point differential. Packers are the lowest 4-1 team at minus 2. But again, they have a 35-point loss on on their register, right? Like... I'm not saying that every good team is going to get blown out, but there are going to be moments where we have the the what-the-fuck games. It's rare that a team goes unscathed throughout the year. You know, there are going to be losses, right? Buffalo, even though they look like, to me, like Buffalo's the best team in football right now. I I was not convinced after last week because I was like, well, they've had an easy schedule. You know, there's a lot that is left to be desired. They went into Kansas City. They kicked Kansas City's ass. When you do that, that's a statement. And that's why I have the Bills ahead of Arizona right now. If you're saying who is the top contender, I have it as the Bills, even though the Bills are 4-1. And, and they had a weird loss to Pittsburgh. So, like, 
I guess what I would ask a lot of is like, are the Bills fools gold because they lost to Pittsburgh in the first week? Like close games, I understand one one score lock and one score this is at some point it regresses to the mean. All right, like you can't keep winning one score games, but the Packers have won two. It's not like they're winning every game by a Mason Crosby game-winning field goal or an Aaron Rodgers last-second touchdown, which you saw a lot of in 2019, or the schedule has lightened up. Say Joe Burrow got hurt. Say Andy Dalton or Nick Foles was in instead of Justin Fields. Uh, Kyler Murray gets hurt. I don't even know who Arizona's backup is. Like, that was kind of what 2019 were. And, like, I look at that team and I say that was more fool's gold than what we have right now. I think Devontae Adams is on an entirely different level. I think they have some studs on defense. I think their offensive line is really good even when they're not healthy. Aaron Jones, we already know. I think the Aaron Jones-AJ Dillon combination is lethal. And we saw it again on Sunday. So, like, to, to have this idea that the Packers are fraudulent or they're fool's gold is really short-sighted. And yeah, maybe that fuels their fire a little bit. Maybe it fuels their fire that a lot of people think that Green Bay is not this 4-1 team. I expect the Packers to be very crisp against Chicago. They get up for rivalry games. They get up for the Bears. They like beating the Bears' ass. They just do. Aaron Rodgers especially. They have a certain next, like, a pushover to beat up the Bears. Why? I don't know why it's different. I don't know if it's stuff that's said. I don't know if it's just the fans. I don't know what, whatever. There is a little bit of, there's more magic. Let's just say, let's just put it that way with the Packer Bear rivalry on the Packers side. So I expect Green Bay to come out hair on fire. And the Bears have looked great defensively the last few weeks. But again, who's your favorite quarterback that the Bears have faced so far this year? They got torn up by Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford had 34 points on him. That was the best quarterback they've faced so far. And Aaron Rodgers is better than Matt Stafford. Everyone knows that. Even though Matt Stafford's wife would tell you otherwise. But but his wife, she's supportive. I get it. Uh, But (laughs) anyways, I, I just look at that game and I think the Packers are going to win. I have the utmost confidence in them. I think Justin Fields is in for a rude awakening with the Packer defense. Again, this could be the moment where we really start seeing that come through. But yeah, I'm excited for Packers-Bears. It's hard not to be. I'm glad the Bears are kind of showing some fight. I I would have preferred maybe to not figure it out until after the Packer Packer game, but it is what it is, and it makes it a little more spicy. All right, let's talk about the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, Let's get to it. Let's pull the Band-Aid. The Milwaukee Brewers are on the brink of elimination. Uh, the Brewers did not score again uh, as they go three and up, three to zero uh, against the Atlanta Braves. Uh, la- the game prior was also three nothing, and then the game on Friday was two to one to the Brewers' favor. So this has been a low-scoring pitchers' duel affair. Now, the Atlanta Braves pitching staff was not necessarily a renowned staff. They were good, but I don't think anyone saw them as great. And the Braves have definitely done their scouting against the Brewers. And it's not to say the Brewers haven't done their scouting against the Braves, but the Brewers' approach to Atlanta's Atlanta's pitching has to change. It just has to. 
it, they cannot get to two strike situations with this Atlanta pitching staff because they are dominating them in that scenario. Ian Anderson was really good, just like Charlie Morton was, just like Max Freed was. And I, if they, the Brewers do figure out whoever pitches today, um, Snickner said it might be Morton. I it could be Huskar Noah, which I would love. I think Huskar is a step down from those three. Um, just like Eric Lauer is a step down from R three, but I do have I do have confidence in Eric Lauer. I do worry about the lefty lefty matchups there. But at, let's just stay with the Brewer offense, then we'll talk about Lauer here. So the Brewers need to jump on these pitchers. Like the Brewers need to come out hair on fucking fire. The Brewers have been a patient team all year. They've drawn drawn a lot of walks, but right now that isn't working. And they need to kind of flip the script. So to me, what I would do is I would attack. I would attack first, second pitches, and I would just go at Atlanta. And I think this bullpen is still vulnerable. And if you get to it, you can be successful. Because right now, Atlanta's bullpen has not been tested. Tyler Matzik has pitched in every game. Luke Jackson has pitched in every game. Will Smith has pitched in two out of the three games. They're not using a ton of their bullpen. We don't know all the bullpen guys they have because they're able to get to the sixth and seventh inning. Get into this bullpen a little bit. And so you could say, well, Charlie, why wouldn't they work the counts? Well, right now, I don't think you should be, I just don't think patient offense has has led to success because you do leave the opportunity to take more strikes, right? And then you get in yourself in the two strike pitches and they know what is your bugaboo. They know the changeup and the curveball have been a problem. And why the Brewers can't hit off speed all of a sudden is beyond me. This isn't a fucking 80-win team. This is a 95-win team. Sure, they've went through slumps. But I, as I was like looking through game logs and I was like, have the Brewers really had a three-game stretch like this? They haven't. They've maybe had two games and then the next one they put up six. This is uh, post-Adamas, so like middle of May. They have not had any stretches like this. And yesterday, I guess if you want to be glass half full about it, there was a ton of hard contact and it just fell all into Atlanta's gloves. And it was hit right at Atlanta. The Craig Council move, which has been criticized by so many Brewer fans, and it's a big topic today heading into game four. All those balls that were out were... 100 miles an hour off the bat. One of those should have fucking fell. And they didn't. And that's baseball sometimes. But it's hard for me to enjoy the postseason. Like, I, I watched the Red Sox game last night. And I watched, I didn't watch the whole thing. I came in late um, just because I was talking to my wife and then was doing some chores. And so I was like, all right, I'll throw on the game. That was a better game because Indy was way up on Baltimore at the time. So I turned that on. And just the fucking Red Sox were happy. A, it was a fun baseball game. Like, it was like 5-5. Five to five. You're hanging on every pitch. And it's just so dramatic. And that, that one part. And two, the Red Sox are just a clutch-hitting unit. And, like, I was like, wow. I would love to have a guy like Kike Hernandez on the Brewers. Like, I know he went to Boston because he has a relationship with Alex Cora. They're both Puerto Rican. And I was like, oh, I would love Kike Hernandez. How great would it be to have a guy like Kike Hernandez? I've said prior, I didn't say it. 
yesterday, but in some threads, I was like, I would love Kyle Schwarber. Like I said in some group chats, I was like, Kyle Schwarber would be a great brewer next year with the Universal of the Age. He's going to be highly coveted. There will be a lot of teams after Kyle Schwarber, but I do think the Brewers, it would be a perfect solution to solve Avi Garcia not probably being back on the team because they're not going to be able to afford Avi. So that to me is the stuff where I'm like, I just want to have fun here. Like this postseason has been a fucking drag, just like last season was, which you can count or not count. 2019 wasn't even a postseason. It was like a dick tease. Like it was like you're at, I won't go there. I was going to use a comparison, but I won't. And it's just like, it was a dick tease. It was like, all right, we're here, we're winning, and then we lose because Trent Grisham can't feel feel the fucking baseball. So there you have it. Andrew should have won the division because you were the better team that year and you fell apart late, so the Cardinals snuck through and won the fucking division on your ass. So we haven't really had fun since 2018, and that sucks. And now I'm not going to be spoiled about it because, as people have pointed out, it's only the eighth postseason run for the Brewers. Some postseason runs are like this. They're not fun. Like, we can go through Yankees postseason history, right? Or we can go through Red Sox postseason history or St. Louis Cardinals. And I know they're not our favorites, right? But they've been the postseason bunch. Some postseasons are great. And some are like this, right? Where... They're an absolute shit show and nothing works. I didn't think Atlanta was this good, all right? Like, I I just didn't. I thought the NL East was a weak division. I thought they got fat on the NL East. Turns out maybe it was the NL Central that was the bad division. And maybe the Brewers playing all of those NL Central teams was a bad thing. And that they really weren't as good as we thought they were. And that giant series where they lost two out of three. But then they won three out of four on the road. So I don't know. The Brewers got to find something. I'm not throwing in the towel at all. I think they can easily win this game today. I just think they need to come out aggressive. And they need to put points on the board. Runs on the board points. They need to put runs on the board in the first three innings. I think that is goal number one today. Goal number two is let's say they go with Eric Lauer. I think Eric Lauer has to keep the ball in the yard. I, I'm i worried about Eric Lauer. I will say that. I am worried about Eric Lauer. I think you can have Eric Lauer, but it has to be a extremely short leash. I almost wonder if you go Aaron Ashby. And I, I know that is wild. That is a wild thing. Aaron Ashby is a rookie. This moment is huge. He did all right in game, three, game two. But... Aaron Ashby is a ground ball pitcher, and I think that matters. The lefties that are le- against lefty pitching, there are some mashers for Atlanta. Jorge Soler, Austin Riley, Adam Duvall, all those guys crush left-handed hitting. And so that's where I get a little nervous. That if you put yourself in a situation where you have two on for Riley and he mashes a baseball... Then it's 3-0 and who knows, right? Now you do have Albies and Freddie Freeman. So you do have a lefty-lefty component there, which helps out. But they have some left-handed killers. And that that scares me a little bit. We don't know who's starting. So that's why I wonder if maybe they're thinking about Ashby with Lauer piggybacked. 
Because I, I still think you could start Lauer, or you pl- you could pitch Lauer. He hasn't pitched the entire series. So I haven't seen any of Eric Lauer. So that's very interesting. And maybe they're shielding their left-handers just because of what we've talked about. Besides Aaron Ashby, who, again, ground ball pitcher, it's a lot easier to face a guy like that, or it's a lot easier to feel confident in a guy like that against a mashing lineup like Atlanta. Braves also haven't chosen their starter. They said maybe Charlie Morton on short rest. Um, Perhaps Huskar, as we mentioned. I would be curious. I I don't think Morton on short rest is the right move. I know he was great against the Brewers in game one, but I wonder just an old, he's old, man. Like he's 37. And at some point, you know, you need that rest time. Morton's probably going to tell him he can go. He's a bulldog, man. He's been in these situations before. But I, I do wonder if that's going to wear on him. And if so, like, again, attack, attack, attack. The Brewers have to attack today and play a really clean game. I don't think yesterday was unclean. Um, I thought that Luis Urias getting thrown out at home, like, it's a contact play. It's what happens. It was hit right to him. And then Christian Yelich really quick before we move on to the last few things we have today. Christian Yelich, star has fallen, right? It is If you go to like the star is born mentality, right? Bradley Cooper, Lady Gaga, one of my favorite movies probably the last 10 years. Bradley Cooper is the superstar. He's awesome. He's on the road with Lady Gaga. They're great. They fall in love, of course, right? And they're, he's on top of the world. And then it all kind of comes crumbling down. I'm not saying what happens to Bradley Cooper in that movie, I won't spoil it, will be what ends up with Christian Yelich, but it's clear that Yelich's star has fallen, and you just have to wonder what's next for Christian Yelich, and what should Milwaukee do, and can Christian Yelich still have a moment? I don't think Christian Yelich should hit higher than six today, and I honestly, I could see him, I should, I think he could or should, not could, should hit seventh. I don't, have, I don't have any inside information if they will knock him that far down the order. The fact of the matter remains that I don't want Christian Yelich in a big spot. I can't believe that we're two years out from him, or three years out from him winning the MVP, and one of the clutch, most clutch hitters I've seen in, in baseball, and I'm saying I do not want Christian Yelich in a big spot. And when he hits third you're going to lead to more potential opportunities there. So please, please, Craig Council, hit hit Christian Yelich anywhere from 5 to 7 today. And let's hope a clutch moment doesn't find him. And if it does, I hope that he can prove me wrong. Because that would be great. And that is needed from Brewers Nation right now. And they need that spark. So hopefully today is not a, a sad day. Hopefully it is a happy day. Hopefully we are going to a Game 5 in Milwaukee on Thursday night or afternoon, pending on what happens with San Francisco LA tonight as well. Uh, LA on the brink after a one nothing win by the Giants. Crazy. I might have fallen asleep for that. Didn't, didn't make it up. Sorry. Well, getting old, man. Getting old. All right, a couple quick things, and then we're out of here. So there was a news report out today that the NFL is exploring having a game in Germany. They've had many games in London. Uh, London has been a focal point, has been a routine, I guess you could say, for the NFL. 
And the NFL has really opened arms to London. I think they've done a great job of expanding the game. And now they're looking to Germany. Now, Germany is a very popular uh, place for the NFL. I think there would be no better team to play in Germany than the Green Bay Packers. There are a lot of people in Wisconsin that have Germanic roots, including myself. And I think that that would be a draw for a ton of Packer fans. I think a ton of Packer fans would love to go see their team play in Germany just because they likely have ancestral roots. I don't know what the fan bases cheer for, but I also would imagine that if you're going to do your first game in Germany, you're going to want to have it be a bigger game. You don't want to have Jacksonville, Miami, which is the London game this week. You do not want to have that as your first game. That would be like just taking a big giant shit for the country of Germany. So that's why you look at it and you say, okay, why can't you have the Packers play there next year or the year after? The Packers have not, are the only team who have not played an international game since this has started. And a lot of that is because the Packers do not want to give up a home game and the opposition does not want to give up a road game. That's, that's pretty cut and dry. The Packers fan base puts asses into fucking seats. So because of that, they are not going to relent on that. That has been a really tough thing for a lot of people. So if I look at next year, and I look at what the Packers have on the road, Green Bay on the road goes to Buffalo, they go to Chicago, they go to Detroit, they go to Minnesota, they go to Miami, they go to Philadelphia, and they go to Washington. So those are those are all their road games. They also will be on the road against the NFC South. So that could be Tampa Bay. That could be Carolina. That could be New Orleans again, which would be three straight game weeks in New Orleans. That would be absolutely wild if that's what the Packers are dealing with. I also would imagine they are facing another AFC team that has yet to be decided because right now, it is just the AFC East. I think they would probably play the AFC South or the AFC North. I can't remember. I think it's the AFC South that they'll play next year. But yeah, so that's what the Packers are looking at. So I don't think they would make the Packers lose a game at Lambeau Field. I just think that that is kind of a sacred cop. Now Miami is a huge draw because you have a ton of transplant Packer fans. You just do in Florida. Like that would be that's a great draw for Miami. They know they're gonna get a lot of revenue from that. But maybe you say to them or the Washington football team, you say, All right, let's let's bring you out to Germany. Let's get you out to Germany. Let's have it be that instead. So maybe they keep Miami, but maybe the Packers Washington game or the Packers Philadelphia game, maybe those are the ones that you look at and you say, All right, let's bring that to Germany. Because I just think the Packers are in a, a great candidate for Germany based off of just the roots of Wisconsin. It's all Germany, man. Like that's how Wisconsin was born. The beer culture, everything like that. It's our German influence. So I think the Packers would be an excellent choice forever they have the game. Whether it's Munich, whether it's Frankfurt, whether it's Dusseldorf. Any of those spots would be lovely for the Green Bay Packers. We'll see if it happens. We'll see if 
they NFL finally pulls the trigger on getting the Packers out to an international spot. Real quick to end the show as a fun way to end the show. The John Cusack drama with uh, White Sox save of Barstool Sports. Absolutely fucking hilarious. If you didn't see it, I sure you did. It went viral pretty much the entire day yesterday. White Sox Dave approached Cusack and called him out for being a White Sox fan and a Cubs fan and said that was not allowed. Cusack came back with, well, do you know this guy? Do you know this guy? And White Sox Dave was like, no. And he's like, don't fucking talk to me, yada, yada. So he... And then Kusak went on like a Twitter rampage all day. I think that's really what kept it viral is Kusak just basically bitching all day on Twitter about Barstool Sports and everything else. So, I mean, just exactly what Barstool wants and why Barstool is a unique and somewhere I just respect the living hell out of because they're able to do these type of things. Because they have just characters. And I don't think White Sex Dave is playing a character. I think this is just who he is. If you follow along with him, whether you follow him on Twitter or you've seen some things that he's been in, Barstool related. But is there a Wisconsin version of cheering for two teams? Some could say it's Wisconsin and Marquette. Some could say what would be pulling a Cusack in Wisconsin would be cheering for the Wisconsin football team and then cheering for the Marquette basketball team. Someone here has do, does do that. And I, I talked about it uh, right before college football season started, about how weird my college football fandom is. And so I could say, all right, maybe that is Cusack adjacent because those are two teams in Wisconsin. They should hate each other, but they don't play the same sport. That's, that's the problem I have with that one. It's not like Cusack, like, I'm trying to think of an uh, example that would work. It's not like there is a basketball, like, there isn't a good example of that. It, it doesn't really work. So I'm going to throw that out. It would be if you were, so if Marquette had a football team, like Marquette was in the American Conference, right? And the Badgers were in the Big Ten. And you still cheered for the Badgers over Marquette. Then that's pulling a Cusack, Okay. I don't think this is necessarily pulling a Cusack. What to me is more of the Cusack pull in Wisconsin or Milwaukee is being a Milwaukee sports fan and having no ties to Chicago and then also being a Blackhawks fan. That to me is a bridge too far. I used to be more on the side that it was all right to cheer for the Blackhawks because they were a fun team. They had a great you know goal song, things like that. But as, the, as I've gotten older and thought about this a little bit more, like there's no reason to cheer for the Blackhawks. There's no allegiance. The Milwaukee Admirals who are in town, their team is the Nashville Predators. Anyone in Milwaukee should be Nashville Predators fans. That should be the team. And I don't even think the Minnesota Wild should count either. Again, another one. Throw them out. You should not be a Wisconsin sports fan and also have a Minnesota team or a Chicago team to cheer for. It's not how it works, but I don't know. That's really more the not cheering for a Chicago team, I think, is more than Minnesota because you have football, you have baseball, a little bit of basketball. I don't think it's as significant. But if the Bulls get good this year and those games are chippy, all of a sudden you have a rivalry there. So who knows? Maybe maybe you'll have that. But Minnesota, it's like T-Wolves aren't in our division. 
Twins aren't in our division. The Vikings are who we hate. So I guess the Wild are, if you're going to pick one or the other, I think the Wild are fine. But yeah, that to me is more of a pulling the Cusack here in the state of Wisconsin and the city of Milwaukee. I know people will want to say Mark out of Wisconsin, but it's not. And you could be like, Charlie, you're doing that to help yourself. Maybe. All right. Take care, guys. Have yourself a good Tuesday. We'll be back tomorrow. Then tabbing the keg on Thursday. Either Mitch and I will be talking about a game five or we're going to be putting the Brewers to bed. So we'll see which one we're doing. We will have an NBA preview somewhere in there. I got to work with him on that. Um, game's obviously Tuesday, so Mitch and I can talk through what that looks like, what that feels like, and get that to the people. All right, take care of yourself. Have a great Tuesday. Back tomorrow. Bye.